We live in an era of unprecedented access to information, news, and media. But what happens when all that information leads you to suddenly realize you spent the majority of your childhood in a cult? Well, we can tell you. Join me, Jessica Goforth, and Kathleen Reynolds as we take you into the world of cult recovery after all the emotional, psychological, financial, and sexual abuse we experienced as part of Bill Gothard's Advanced Training Institute. On our podcast called Leaving the Village, we talk candidly about our journey out and interview other survivors whose experiences will boggle your mind. We also cover breaking news as scandals continue to rock the twisted world of IBLP. Subscribe to Leaving the Village today so you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to the Full Mutuality Podcast. I'm Gail. I'm Nate. And today we'll be talking about Canada's insurrection. Yes, so it's not just us with insurrections anymore. Yeah, for real. Actually, we'll be sharing our conversation with Tabitha Wells, a journalist who lives in Ontario, in just a few minutes. But when we recorded this, we were at day 12 of the siege of Canada's capital city, Ottawa. And the day this drops will be going on day 16. But just in the last four days, a lot has gone on to update you about. Yeah, we even made a trip to Ottawa over the weekend, uh, but not to join in the convoy or anything. Yeah, that was interesting. We got a bird's eye view of some of the things that we're going to be talking about. In case you are living under a rock and don't know, this this takeover is labeled the Freedom Convoy in Canada. And there were a whole lot of American truckers we saw while we were there on the weekend. I'm really sorry, Canada. (laughs) Indeed, it's been a rough go at it. So I wanted to give some updates. When we made this podcast, Ottawa had declared a state of emergency, the city of Ottawa. Since then, the province of Ontario has followed suit. And next, on Saturday, the courts finally got an injunction to clear out the border blockade along the Ambassador Bridge that we discussed later on. And dozens of arrests were finally made. Uh, There was a new blockade that has sprung up. Uh, There's one in BC. There's some in Uh, Alberta, they're halting important supply chain routes for goods and services, and even people just wanting to visit like Nate and I crossing borders to see each other. Uh, 13 people were arrested in Alberta with a massive weapons cache that was seized at the Freedom Convoy. The RCMP swooped in as things were about to get very dangerous near the border of Coots, Alberta. This was a border they had previously cleared out. Um, What else? Over the weekend, Montreal, my city, erupted with both protests and counter-protests. Gotta love my city. We're definitely known for being an activist protest city over here. Um, Also, in this episode, we get into the GoFundMe that was set up for this convoy that raised $10 million before GoFundMe shut it down. And we're going to speculate in it why we suspect it's being funded by Americans. Um, But since then, they've managed to set up a new fundraiser that also raised $8 million on a platform called Give, Send, Go. And before the Ontario, actually after the Ontario government also put a court injunction in to shut that one down for uh, it not being handled appropriately, it got actually hacked over the weekend, revealing that 56% of the donors were actually American. So that information got just finished getting leaked. Um, What else? Probably the most important piece of news actually happened yesterday. On Monday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said he's invoking the emergency the Emergencies Act for the first time in Canadian history to give the federal government temporary powers to handle ongoing blockades and protests against the pandemic restrictions. This is sort of a big deal. This replaces the previous War Measures Act in Canada and is something rarely used, but countries in a state of crisis, if you want to learn more about the Emergency 
Act. Uh, we're going to stick a link in the show notes. All this to say things have continued to really ramp up in Canada over the last couple of days since we recorded this. Yeah, so um, I think without further ado, here is our conversation with Tabby Wells. Oh man. Okay, so what day are we on? We are on day 13 of Canadian siege of these this group of mm. Mm. I wild. guess yeah, we we really are. Holy crap. Yeah, cuz they started this on Saturday, not last Saturday, but the Saturday before. So we're Yeah. Cuz they passed through we're... our town on the Friday. Like Friday morning, they came through. Like man, our insurrectionists are amateurs. <laughs> We only, we had, only one had one day. <laughs> Thankfully, nobody has been, has gotten killed yet in Canada. I have to say, like, I oh, was yeah. really stressed. I don't know how you were feeling about that, Tabby. I was, yeah. You too? Did you yeah. feel that, like, a worry that they would do, like, in the U.S. and, like, cause deaths? Yes. I I was worried it was going to devolve into violence when they came through our town. Um, because it's very, very, very polarized here. And I was expecting at least something to happen. Um I was very surprised when it didn't. Yeah. I mm. mean, I have heard like in Ottawa residents talking about, you know, people bothering them on on the street for wearing masks or shouting at them or, uh, you know, I've seen uh, there was a coffee shop, a happy goat. Is it happy goat or something like that? It's a, it was a sh- coffee shop that had an LGBTQ pride flag in their window and they, it got smashed in Ottawa. There's like there's been some like obvious acts of vandalism and a lot of people in Ottawa I have an aunt there, a cousin there, and quite a few friends that live in Ottawa saying mm-hmm. that it's not it's not the greatest right now to be in Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend who's a truck driver who does deliveries downtown or Ottawa, and he said it's been a bit of a nightmare. Um, he's regularly had people demanding to know why he's not participating in the protest. Wow. And Ooh. yeah, it's uh, he couldn't get through to some of his deliveries like he was having trouble getting around and stuff. He was kind of keeping us updated on Twitter with what was going on. Um, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, it, it's not like I mean I hear talk of oh it's all about unity and like people who I know who are very into it and I don't thankfully don't know super many people. Um, it's a minority of people, but it, it feels startling anyway. Like it's people that I know who are very big into anti-vaxxer stuff who are you know sending me videos of an- like fake stuff, conspiracy stuff during the pandemic. Those are some of the people that I see that are right now big into it and like saying, this is amazing. And they're all excited about it. And I'm like, they're like, this is for all Canadians. And I'm like, most Canadians are vaccinated. Like we're, we are a country that is like 85% as a whole country in terms of vaccination. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even if you look at like, what was it? The numbers up to 18,000, I think they said protesting in downtown Ottawa and they're saying this represents all of Canada, 18,000 right. people. Oh, the numbers they've embellished, too. Like, I've seen some really hilarious, you know, exaggerations of how many people were there. And and that stuff is amusing because, I mean, you could see, you could, like, literally people have taken aerial shots and, like, yes. there's more people at Canada Day parties and, like, exactly <laughs> on the hill than there are right now. Mind you, it was freezing cold, so I'll give it to them. There's a determination there. Yeah. If you're going to be in minus... 18 degrees Celsius, which is, 
I don't know what in Fahrenheit, but somewhere like 10 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm, I'm trying to learn this dating Nate, like the whole the <laughs> Fahrenheit Celsius stuff, but it's cold. It's cold. So they're, they are very determined to stick it out on. I think the protests happened on some very freezing cold days the first Saturday they were there. Um, yeah. But it's definitely nothing like representing you know, all of Canada. It's not like in the States. I guess those would be some differences. It doesn't feel like the U.S. in that. I feel like with the insurrection, while it wasn't the majority of Americans that were supporting it, the Trump supporters do represent a big chunk of the American population, yes. right? Like they're, you know, they they managed to vote him in, you know, the first yeah. time and narrowly missed voting him in again. So that's, there's a lot of American Trump supporters. But I mean, um, too, if it, we're talking about that and, and maybe that's a huge important thing, too, is that a lot of these people who are supporting this are also Trump supporters and Trump right. fans, which is wild yeah. because we're in Canada, but they're Trump supporters in Canada. So that that is something I noticed, too. Things like Confederate flags showing up. It's like, hello, this is not even the USA. What does a Confederate flag have? Like the Civil War didn't happen well, here. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. During the War of 1812, you guys were fighting against the United States and then the Confederacy was also fighting against the United States. So it almost makes more sense for a Confederate flag to show up in Canada than in the U.S. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? The, the hate flags was definitely a big element of this that has made a lot of Canadians nervous. And rightfully so. Like, rightfully so. When you see Confederate flags, when you see Nazi symbols and when the organizers of this protest, I mean, you've done I should just say to introduce Tabitha and we haven't given her a proper introduction yet. We're just having a conversation with our friend. <laughs> you are a journalist by trade. This is yes. what you do. You dig into the facts. Um, you. Oh, wait, we started already. This is kind of this is us. <laughs> Nate, get with the is this program us in the podcast. We haven't. We, what, what's the name of our podcast? What if this is the first episode? Someone's we'll listening tack on to it. Welcome to full mutuality at the beginning. How about that, Nate? <laughs> Oh, okay. And now the people who have listened to it tacked on after are like, wait, what? <laughs> They're going to be so confused. We're going to confuse our people. Yeah. Tabitha is also a dear friend of ours, but you you work for a local newspaper still or? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. In Ontario, mm -hmm. where the convoy has passed through. Yes. I haven't seen the convoy, obviously, being in Montreal, but what, like, did they come really close to your place? Like, how, like, did you so, drive through, see what was going on? So I didn't, I was on the, I live on the opposite end of town and we're all work from home. Um, okay. My coworker was sent to cover it. I kind of refused, partially because I couldn't leave the house because, you know, my husband and I both work at home and we had Garrus, who is our, our toddler for, I guess, listeners don't know. Um, but yeah, so we have a three-year-old and, uh, so I couldn't really just leave him because of the nature of the work that my husband does. Um, but for me, it was more, you know, I've covered every major protest and major issue that we've had in the last two years, um, which I'm sure you guys have spoken about, too, on the full mutuality page. Well, I can't speak tonight um, in the podcast, but all the indigenous issues that we've been dealing right. with the last year and stuff. So I kind of took my hands off this one because... You know, I, I've expended all of my spoons on all of these issues and just keeping myself informed has kind of like taken everything from me. And I was like, I, I flat out told my mom, I said, if I had to cover this thing, I would have ended up punching someone. And I know I would have because I just I don't have the spoons to control my fuse right now. 
I think a lot of people are feeling that boiling point. Like we're far into the pandemic right now. We are, you know, we're two years, whole a whole two years. It's not like we're in year two. No, we're at the end of year two going on in starting year three of this. And, you know, at the beginning, everyone was like, you know, do your part for everyone. We're staying home. We're staying away from people. And everyone's made big sacrifices throughout the last two years in different ways. I know Nate and I went nine months without seeing each other for a chunk of time when the borders were closed. And then, you know, even when they opened and he got Canadian permission to come in and exceptions, we both still had to quarantine. So it was like we went nine months and then we went four months without seeing each other. So we we've done like some big relational sacrifices throughout the pandemic. I know people have missed, you know, kids graduating, people postponed weddings, people have not been able to celebrate their funeral with their parents dying, you know, with family around them. It's been something for everyone. I think everyone's tired out. So I think I could totally understand why this would be like, I have no more spoons. Like, and then if you have anything going on in your personal life on top of it, forget it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like society already as it is, is just putting enough strain on on everyone. Yeah. So, and I mean, it, it probably wouldn't have been as bad as I was preparing for, but like we were saying in the beginning of this, the conversation, we had no idea what to prepare for Mm -hmm. because so many of the supporters are so volatile in the way they speak, in the way they've cheered this on, that it's kind of one of those things where like, we didn't know, was this going to be a January 6th here? Like they kept declaring it was going to be, or was it going to be a bunch of loudmouthed people hooting and hollering and really not accomplishing anything? So maybe we should establish for everyone listening, this Canadian truckers convoy gives some what we know about the history, the background, um, and like just sort of paint the big picture of what's going down. So it started as, I'll give what I know, and Tabitha, you can jump in with all the facts that you know about it. What I know of it is, it started with truckers. I'm going to add this side tangent in. There was a lot of talk about this is a supply chain issue. We should care about the truckers because they deliver stuff across the border and the Canadian government has put mandates in place, making it tough on the truckers. So this is about freedom. That was the argument in the beginning, which and my side tangent is this right now, like as of today, they have blocked off the ambassador bridge, which controls 25 percent of all traffic in and out of Canada and the U.S. The the U- American Press secretary, Nate, was it that that you were reading me just before we, we got on? Yeah, uh, the White House the White press House secretary, secretary uh, Jen Psaki. Finally made an yeah. announcement today saying, yes, this is a problem. Like, this is actually preventing car parts from getting into the USA. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan farmers, like there's, you know, agriculture, food that's not being transported. So they're trying to figure out workarounds right now because it's blocking off where tw- the biggest border in terms of traffic between Canada and U.S. in terms of supply is is being blocked right now by these people. And it's crazy because they were the ones saying this is going to cause supply chain issues, the whole mandate situation. And I'll give the mandate. The mandate was the Canadian government saying, if you're not vaccinated, you have to quarantine for 14 days when you come back to Canada, which is interesting because, and here's a a few important points people should know, 85% of truck drivers are vaccinated in Canada. In fact, the Truckers Association, Canadian Truckers Association, came out and made a statement. They do not support this. They're not in favor of it. They support the majority of their truck drivers who have followed the rules. And on top of all that, there's this big undercurrent of anger at Trudeau. Like, I just, it's weird. If you ever look in any convoy group that supports this, you will see, fuck Trudeau. Uh, sorry, should we should bleep that out or whatever? Or we leave swear words in our podcast. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> no, it, our, our podcast is labeled Okay, as perfect. We'll do all the swearing we want. But you'll see stuff like that. And what's weird is you'll see it side by side with 
pray to God and Jesus to like, you know, like one after another after another. So there's this unity, this L- love everyone. <laughs> it's very, very bizarre. It's like these. <laughs> I'm thinking I, I, I'm I, seeing that uh, that meme with uh, with James Franco, the, you know, fuck that guy. But the one where he's got the noose around his neck and he looks over and he says first time because I'm just thinking about, um, you know, that your description of all of that to me reminds me of what we saw on January oh, 6th. We were going to get into January 6th. I think we need to go there yeah. because there are some elements that are very, very identical. But I just to get the go through, comb through the trucker thing. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of anti-Trudeau sentiment. Now, the government, the Canadian government controls border issues. So those mandates he has a hold on, meaning, you know, putting rules on when you come back to Canada. The Canadian government does not control most health mandates. The provincial governments control health care. So it's different province to province. The rules when you go from province to province are pretty different. Now, as a whole, Canada is very vaccinated. Canada is very like the provincial governments in all the different provinces have put a lot of rules in place. It's not functioning like the states. I mean, I go back and forth between Quebec and New Jersey all the time. I pass through New York. It's very different once you enter into the USA. And and these are the liberal, more mandated states. And it's still you feel like you're in a different country when you go into the U.S. compared to how Canada is handling this pandemic in terms of the overall attitude of Canadians and the willingness to cooperate with mandates. People are getting tired and fed up now. Everyone is feeling strained and stressed. But Canadians are pretty happy to comply overall with the mandates. They've been in place. They've elected governments that have basically platformed off of being strong on those things. The truck drivers, what's interesting is they're protesting the federal government that they're angry at, but it's the provinces that are actually making the rules. Like, And and so one of the things they're saying, the truck drivers, is this isn't about our, just us. This is about all Canadians and lifting all mandates. Well, the only ones that are really affect the federal government are the ones that apply to them, not all Canadians. Those go into the provinces. So that whole we're here for everyone, we're fighting for the rights of everyone doesn't make sense. But if we go into what the federal government does control on their end, if Trudeau tomorrow decided okay, we're lifting uh, mandates for truck drivers for the border. Uh, We are now making it easier because supply chain issues, which is funny because they're blocking the border, Um, right? Like, let's just say, you know, they really did care about supply chain. And that was the the argument on their end. You know, people were going into a panic. Oh, I went into my grocery store and I didn't find the chip brand I wanted. It must be, it must be the whole, you know, supply chain issues. But here's the thing. The U.S. government has mandatory uh, vaccine requirements for truck drivers crossing into the U.S. So it doesn't matter what Trudeau would say or do in terms of Canadian mandates. There is no truck driver going into the USA who is not vaccinated right now. So them coming back is a moot point. They would already be vaccinated. So this whole argument that it started with as this was the point of the convoy, this was the point of the protests, made no sense. Uh, And so it became this, well, we're here to lift all mandates and free all Canadians. And as a whole getting into the provinces. Canada is very united in putting mandates with some exceptions. I feel Mm -hmm. like we have a section of Canada that is very conservative or is more conservative, that is more right-wing extremists. Am I am I correct on this? Would I would we yes. say Alberta, where this is originating yeah, that, that's from? That's exactly where my there? brain was going. All right, I was I was gonna go Alberta, but <laughs> Alberta, you beat me. <laughs> Alberta. Apologies to my friends from Calgary. <laughs> I do have a few. I, I have uh, my foster brother lives in Calgary, and uh, and I you know I know it's not everyone from Alberta. I mean, so here's the, th- the reality. Alberta is the least vaccinated province in Canada, and they're the first one. Just today, they announced they're going to remove all restrictions, everything, everything, getting rid of vaccine. They announced it today, getting rid of everything. Um, 
that is so un-Canadian when you look at how the rest of the provinces are handling things. Canada as a whole country has certain places where there's grievances and where they want to separate and become their own country. I used yes. to just th- see that as a Quebec thing. I'd be like, yes, we were the French before. There was issues with the French and the English. As far as separatist movements go, like like separatist movements across the world, I, I would say Quebec separatist movement ranks up there in, in terms of what one might consider a quote-unquote legitimate right. separatist movement. Yeah. They um, narrowly versus... became 1% from voting to separate yes. from Canada in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So it's yes. a legitimate, and it's grievances that have gone on for a very long time. Quebec really has its own culture and is yes. really different and has been that way because the French were kind of kept in that area. Right. Um, which brings us to Alberta, and to this is Alberta. where things get really interesting with the trucker convoy. Is that so? You were going there with the, the yes. separatist party in Alberta is the Maverick Party. Um, they have fondly called what they're fighting for Wexit. Was that the they former supported... name of their party, Wexit? Did they change their name to the Maverick Party? I'm not sure. I don't think Wexit was their actual name. They started okay. using the term Wexit after Brexit <laughs> or, or Brexit, so they started using Wexit. Um, but the Maverick Party is the separatist or the separatist party that basically wants Alberta to completely separate they want their own everything um and where it okay so i'm going to ask an american question yes. here is this a legitimate political this party is a legitimate political party they're they're an actual political party um and this is where okay. it gets interesting and where we start getting into the the breakdown of information and misinformation and stuff so the founders of this convoy um are almost all from alberta mm-hmm. they are actually not truckers no actual links to truckers. And one of the biggest founders, the one who raised the huge GoFundMe, is a woman named Tamara Litch. And she is actually the secretary of the Maverick Party. She's like, I um, think the co-founder as well. With Pat, Was it with Pat King or was that another party they were in before? I think that was another party. But when you go to her, pay, her site, which is this is really, really funny. The Maverick site has her profile for her secretary stuff that breaks down her entire autobiography, including about the fact that she's a proud Wexeter, that she helped found the movement, all of these things. And people that you show this to start screaming that it's a a media lie, that she has no connections to this. Now, the Maverick Party is also known to have a lot of um, kind of racist ties to it, too, which is kind of part of what fuels it because it's an extreme alt-right group. I'm pretty Um, sure Pat King might have been her, if I'm I'm not mistaken, Pat King, at least with the previous party she was was a co-founder with her mm-hmm. and he has said such racist things i mean he's still a big part of the convoy movement and he's like one of those figureheads that's like speaking on behalf of a lot of them um but he has said comments about keeping the white blood race pure like very extreme white supremacist yes. sort of statements he's made and he just goes off on rants on you can watch the videos of him they're, um, they're, they're on not TikTok. hard to, they're not hard to find <laughs> there there's lots of them <laughs> Yeah, so, and um, the co-founder, oh, was it Brian or Benjamin Deitcher? That's it. So he he is known for going on racist rants about Islamists, um, basically claiming that the Liberal Party is filled with Islamists. And when everything came out, the Canadian Anti-Hate, sorry, Canadian Anti-Hate Network. So they broke down some of the connections of these people. So in 2019, speaking at a People's Party of Canada convention, which... Um, for any Americans who are listening, People's Party of Canada is basically the running joke is they're just the racist party. Um, they're mm-hmm. very anti-immigration. They're very much the alt-right dream for a political party. Um, that is basically everything that they run on. 
So at a uh, at one of their fundraising events, he went on warning people about the dangers of political Islamists, saying that the Liberal Party is infested with Islamists. He calls them extremists. Um, he has a whole bunch of awful stuff that he said. They've all had ties. Um, Didn't they? Um, and, um, is it Tamara Lynch that had the connections to the Yellow Vests or who? Which? Uh, yes, yes. yes. Uh, Tamara Lynch, because Wexit was connected with the Yellow Vests. That, and that for those who don't know together. about Yellow Vests, they are. It's kind of hard to call them really specifically anything. They're a hate group. Um, but they're they're a hate group. And they did try and do a march a few years back. It it got so little traction that most people don't even remember much of it. But yeah, so she she was connected to that. And that was another racist um, hate group. If I remember, they were protesting indigenous stuff at one point. Yeah. Am I remembering I'm, that correctly, Gail? I'm not, I'm not sure on this. On the, I'm, I'm, um, look, I'm learning about the hate groups in Canada through this protest. Like it's <laughs> causing me to have to look in deep into our hate roots. And yes. that's disturbing. Like how much it's not like some fringe people in the party. It, let's just say it was. Let's say it wasn't the organizers, which it is. We're, we're talking about the actual organizers of this convoy. But let's say it was just people showing up to the protests. I was at the Black Lives Matter protest in Montreal. There were actually hundreds of thousands of people like compared to what i saw in ottawa this was like way bigger than that and there i didn't see one hate sign anywhere anywhere no. with a much bigger protest so there's that good story that says if you have a table of 10 people and there's one nazi sitting at the table how many nazis do you have and the answer is you have 10. You have 10. Yep. Because if if people who are very hateful feel, hateful feel very comfortable around you, that is a big problem. And that says a lot about where you stand. If they're yes. comfortable in your midst, if they're like infiltrating your mm -hmm. movement, they feel like there is an element of safety in your group for their kind of hatred, that there is a level of support there for them to just join in. And the yep. fact that all the extremist groups that are hate groups in Canada are jumping into this, this convoy, I don't care how many... Uh, white nice old ladies are like no this is about love and this is about peace and this is about everyone it's not about hate it's I even saw somebody say they were playing a hockey game together how much more Canadian can you get than that you want to know what Canadian is Canadian is the women's hockey team playing Russia with N95 masks at the Olympics that's Canadian yeah. that is Canadian <laughs> but like there's a lot of and beating yes, him <laughs> of course which they did to the states as well, but we won't go there. You know what? But who who won the gold? Who won the Listen, last Olympic gold medal? Listen, we're not there yet. We haven't gotten to the gold medal games yet. <laughs> Nate and I are watching this together, so this is going to be our our couple tension for the next little while. We'll be watching Olympic women's Amazing. hockey. <laughs> and, um, but in, in what you're saying is a huge thing that I tried to point out to people here because we have in our town in our county we have a small group of people who have for years proven themselves to be extremely racist. They're COVID deniers. They're anti-vax. They're anti-anything liberal. They're alt-right. All of these things. And when average people started coming out in support of this trucker convoy, because, oh, it makes sense, this whole crowd ran to them and flocked to them and went, oh my gosh, you're finally doing right. Yes, we're we're supporting you. We're on here. And they're like, oh, well, thank you for, thank you for this. And I'm going... But shouldn't common sense tell you if you stand up and wave a flag and all the Nazis, alt-right, racist, anti-LGBTQ, COVID-denying anti-vaxxers come running to you, giving you a hug, saying, thank you for standing up and doing what's right. We support you. Shouldn't that make you stop you, and go, yeah. hold on a second. 
the people who are not anti who are not racist who are not anti-lgbt are the ones going this is bad and all the bad people just came to me and said i love you for doing this shouldn't that make you take a step back and go hold on a second something's not right here and when you bring out the facts to these people which you have because you just like me have people around you who have gotten deep into this, um, yes. even though it's not the majority of Canadians, like I could say out of all the people I know, I, I can maybe count on one hand or maybe maybe six fingers. <laughs> how many <laughs> how many people I've seen get into this where I've looked through convoy groups and be like, oh, no, not them, <laughs> you know, not not somebody I actually like, you know, I'm hoping it's most of them are the extreme people I know who are posting, you know, the anti-vaxxer stuff. But there's like one or two that I'm like, oh, I didn't see that. Um, but what are the reactions that you've gotten when you've present, presented facts to these people, when you've br- brung up the truth? Things? <laughs> well, let's see. Should I do them alphabetically? <laughs> um, so the big one is always uh, the first one is just doubling down on their support. I support this because they're fighting for our freedom and it's only a few people and a few people don't make this because they're fighting for our freedom. And I support everything about this convoy. Basically, complete denial, won't even read. Um, The second one I get, which is my favorite, is, Tabby, you're a journalist. I'm really disappointed that you haven't bothered to do the research, because if you researched, you would see that I was right. And like one of them, I just flat out responded. I said, honey, if I'm a journalist and you know that that means I do my research and I end up on the opposite side from you, maybe that should make you stop and think. But Tabby, Um, you are a part of... I'm sure you've heard this one. I'm a part of the evil mainstream media. And here we're talking about comments that Americans did, right? Like that the the extreme alt-right in the U.S. does. And maybe it's not even alt-right. It's just the right. It's moved to such extremes in the U.S. And we're not there yet in Canada, which this makes me nervous to see this direction moving in Canada. But like, let's take the whole, oh, it's an Antifa plant. No one actually showed up part of it. It was a plant from Antifa. The U.S. has pulled that card before. The one that Trump did all the time in order to never be held accountable was blame mainstream media making things up constantly like he'd pretend the size of his crowd was bigger like they did at the convoy he would do these kinds of things and then when people would show the facts it was like that's just mainstream media they're all and he convinced a lot of people that mainstream media is just making things up and lying like there's no accurate there's no accurate journalism there's no accurate scientists all the scientists are all in on this plot together making up the covid numbers and you know pretending the vaccine's helping when it's not everything is all lies who do we trust like who are the actual and people that we (laughs) right and i mean and here's one that's directly related to the convoy that we actually had run on our website that got those kinds of comments which made me laugh my ass off so hard so you know, we talked earlier about how the truckers and stuff are saying that um, the supply chain shortages are coming from all of these vaccine mandates and things. But what most people don't realize is the vaccine mandate didn't come into play until January. Hmm. When this had already been, been talked about, supply chain shortages had already been happening for months. I mean, especially with items like chicken nuggets. You could not get chicken nuggets anywhere. I tried. I tried. Our McDonald's was out of chicken products. Like this was already happening. So we had an article run um, and it was literally called, is the grocery shortage caused by the truck convoy? Five myths debunked. And in this, they broke down and talked about what the, what was causing it. And they said basically that yes, the trucker convoy and vaccine mandates are playing a role, but Hey, here's the other 
reasons and factors that have played into why these shortages are happening. It's not just of this. And we had people screaming, mainstream media paid off again, liberal lies. They're blaming things on people that it's not their fault, which is funny because it wasn't the trucker's fault, but it was the truck fault of the like it was just There's so no backwards. consistency in the arguments at all. And I'm like, it literally just broke down five myths. And if anything, it was actually working more in favor because people who were trying to blame the convoy for creating shortages were not correct because a lot of trucks were still showing up. The 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 amount of trucks that actually participated in this convoy were not enough prior to blockading everything to right. actually cause those shortages. But like it you know, like you're saying about the mainstream media, that's the kind of stuff that we get. We could post something that's completely unbiased and get screamed at that it's liberalized, that we're getting paid off. My And that's my favorite one, the we're getting paid liberal money to spread lies. Oh, we're going to get into who's paying <laughs> who, okay? Where is really money like, coming from? Right. <laughs> and I would really BS. like to know, I want to know, where is this liberal money that I'm getting paid to spout these liberal lies? Because my bank account is still in the negatives. When you were talking about, you know, the convoy and the shortage of truckers, uh, the shortages of staff are happening in teaching. My sister's in teaching, in nursing, in every Hardcore in, in every single profession. And we know what's causing the shortages. It is people are getting COVID and getting sick. There is yes. a surge in Omicron that has been uncomparable. Like it's uh, like on a, at a staggering level of cases. I got it. Nate got it. Well, I mean, we tested negative, but our kids tested positive. So we're pretty sure <laughs> that we came down with it. But we were triple vax at that point. So I think we were very fortunate in that it hit us very mildly like Nate had a day of feeling gross and I had a day of feeling gross and then we were good we recovered and bounced back super fast um, my kids who were double vaxxed uh, did pretty good too but were a little more sick than we were and they mm -hmm. both tested positive and we were living in the same home and we know how contagious that is so we were like yep we're isolating we're pretty much no this is in our system and we felt sick but that's where I'm saying get vaxxed people like and yes. the fact that everybody was catching it and the fact that those who were filling up the hospitals um, for the majority like the as more people get vaxxed I just wanted to bunk this as more people get vaccinated when you have a population that's 85 percent vaccinated sure your majority of people in the hospital will be uh, vaccinated people and that makes sense that's what it should be right it's like mm -hmm. the amount of people who died in car accidents once seatbelts were mandated were almost everyone wearing seatbelts it doesn't mean the seatbelts don't work but once that became the law and everyone had to wear a seatbelt then people who were dying in car accidents were the ones yes. wearing seatbelts so but the the fact is that if you are vaccinated you have so much less of a chance of being hospitalized and of dying compared to someone who isn't is the important statistic that gets twisted when people are like look see they're ending up in hospitals too and more of them but compared yes. to the percentage of them, it's still way, way less. And that is the big problem is that, you know, you're putting a strain on the healthcare system by being anti-mandate, anti-vax. You're causing people who have vulnerabilities who can't get vaccinated to live this crisis out longer and putting them at risk as well because you're spreading this around. Um, yeah. So when it's they're saying this is for all Canadians, I find that statement personally to be the most frustrating thing that I hear because... Most Canadians have been working very hard 
to support everyone and to support their communities through getting vaccinated. Yes. Because there's 85% of us that are vaccinated. Alberta, who is the which is the least vaccinated province of Canada where this movement is coming out of, is still like 70 something percent. Like it's still 79, I think, is what I read. Very highly vaccinated compared to, let's say, the U.S. states that are not vaccinated are like at 60 percent. You know, it's still a big jump between Canada and the U.S. And when you look at the death rates between Canada and the U.S., there's also a very good case to be made for why you should get vaccinated. Like the U.S. has three times the death rate of Canada per capita, not per population, per capita, which shows how effective it is. Like Canada is one of the most highly vaccinated countries and the death rates go along with that. They have less deaths. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the Canadians who have worked their butt off to protect their communities through getting vaccinated These are the heroes. (laughs) These are the people who are looking out for everyone. So when I hear someone who doesn't want to have to go into a store and have have to have a vaccine passport because they didn't want to get vaccinated, not because they couldn't, but because they believed some YouTube video that scared them. And then they're going to say, I I don't live in fear. I I trust God. Faith, not fear. We don't need to live in fear. You are scared of a needle. This is some projection going on. And I think the other thing to comment too about how they keep saying it's for all Canadians. So the big argument I keep getting is, well, they're just they're going out against the the mandates. They they want it to be choice. They're fighting for choice. But the thing is, if you look at what's been happening at the protests, if you look at the the signs that are being held up, if you look at the things that are being said, they don't want free choice. Because if you're wearing a mask, if you're vaccinated, if you are wanting to follow public health measures, they come after you. Yes. They will scream at you. They will yell at you. They will tell you that you're doing things. They will demand that you have to be willing to be around them and accept them and do whatever they want you to do unvaccinated. Yes. And there's – I don't know if you've seen it. There's this meme going around right now that's like it's two hands holding and one side it's vaxxed and one side it's unvaxxed. And it's like why can't we all just love each other and still be friends and have a relationship? And I saw someone who shared that with the comment, you know, all these un, all these vaccinated people don't want me in their lives. We're getting uninvited from Christmas for being unvaccinated. They don't want to be around us. And this just isn't right. That's not love. And I'm like, hold on a second. So you want to be able to make your own choice, which you are. You legally are allowed to make your own choice. You've chosen not to be vaccinated. You're saying it's your body, your choice. But you're turning around and saying that we have no choice but to be around you and endanger ourselves exactly. or we're bad people. Right. That, we, that not only do you get the choice, but we lose our choice to say whether we feel safe around you or not. And that's what this is all about. It's not about undoing the mandates it's not about undoing the vaccines or just rolling things back for freedom it's about this is what we believe and everybody else better fall in line and you see that with some of the language behind the protests stand your ground we're not leaving here until all the mandates are dropped and it's this i mean they call themselves and the terms just kill me freedom fighters like i think this language was really giving me january 6 vibes i mean i know the mayor of ottawa actually called it an insurrection in the national post the other day but like that's where i read that headline and i was like yeah that's that is totally what it hearkened me to and a lot of them were using that language we're using that we're going to have our own you know insurrection we're going to do they really wanted to take to do a siege and to get their way and they're still there the, the truck drivers are a lot of them. There's hundreds mm-hmm. of vehicles. Uh, they're not in the tens of thousands like they want people to believe, but there are hundreds and they are clogging up Ottawa and they're harassing yes. the local people, honking their horns, running their trucks with gas fuel nonstop. And 
Yeah. So it's the language is not we're here to negotiate. We're here to compromise. We're here to have a discussion that could work for everyone. It is we want everything dropped. Even if the majority of Canadians don't support that, we want our way to be imposed. Right. Um, But and that's where the, the big thing comes in. Right. Is it's it's not. A negotiation, and we know it's not because Canada Unity, one of the groups behind this That's convoy, exactly issued I was going. a memorandum of understanding that is all the mandates they want dropped, and it's not just that. It breaks down the dissolution of the democratic process, including they want to dissolve the House of Commons, they want the Governor General to help them remove um, Trudeau from office, basically staging a coup, they want to remove any of the the leadership to be led by a committee. And of the committee, Canada Unity has demanded that they will be allowed to appoint themselves half of this council that will lead Canada on behalf of all Canadians. Right. Now, I don't know what is that last or now, but last I checked because they had, they were asking people to sign the memorandum of understanding or whatever. It and the part you're like, referring to, guys, if you all want to check this out for yourself, the Canada Unipar- Unity Party, who's written the Memorandum of Understanding, that's part of the mandate of this truckers' convoy. It's Article 3 in the mandate. If you're looking yes. and scrolling through, that's the section you want to zone in on if you want to read what Tabitha is just referring to. You can go look it up yourself. Yeah, so they were having people sign. And I want to say when I saw it, it was like not even 100,000 votes. Now, I get the population of Canada is very, very tiny compared to the United States, so people sometimes think that's a lot. But to put it in perspective, I live in a small rural town with a population of 30,000 people. That means barely three times the population of my small town is demanding the right to speak on behalf of all Canadians to overthrow now... Trudeau was just reelected in the fall. So to overthrow the democratic process of an actual election that was confirmed and want the ability to run the country on our behalf. And that's what they keep saying. Like the language that all these people keep using is we're doing this for all Canadians. We represent Canadians, but they don't. It's a very, very, it really is a fringe minority. And I know they keep getting mad about that, but that is a fringe minority. If we were talking, you know, 3 million, 30 million people, that would not be a minority of, you know, that would be an entire section of, if we were looking at the 3 million mark, that would be an entire section of the GTA, which is pretty big for, right. um, you know, for an amount of people. But we're only talking in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And that's a large estimate, too, because... One of the things I noticed is like the big convoy groups on on Facebook I was looking at were like, I think it, they reached a total of like 500 or 600,000 people. How many of those were actually Americans is a very important question to be asking yourself. How many of them are bots? <laughs> All of these things are part of the question that people need to be asking. So to say that it's fringe. Yeah. I mean, when you see the size of the protests, you can see that it's fringe. And it's interesting to see if you have that little um, truckers, you know, clogging up and and like really disrupting, you know, blocking the ambassador bridge. Although I did hear in the, in the case of the ambassador bridge, it's not truckers actually. It's a lot of um, pe- people in their pickup truck um, who are coming in and trying to make a statement. Um, people who are part of that alt alt right extremists that have come in. Most of it yes. are not actual truckers that are part of this blockade. But here's the thing: we have seen protest movements in Canada for the natives. Um, we have seen, and I mean. 
did did the cities and the RCMP not come in and clear people out after a while? Was there not a reaction to letting people just stay and continue this sort of disruption? I feel like, you know, especially I have a lot of compassion for the natives. They have good legitimate reasons for their protests and they're representing you know, themselves and what they've gone through and what they've had taken from them. And they're protecting their land. Like they have legitimate claims that they're Mm -hmm. backing up. And they did not get the sort of support, quote unquote, (laughs) to stay doing what they were doing. If it was, you know, blocking things the way that this, like, I'm sort of looking at this and going, how is this just being enabled? How is such a fringe minority being allowed to hold up so much of the country right now. Well, like, we we know exactly what it is. And it's that stupid picture from Family Guy where they <laughs> right. hold up the thing next to Peter and it shows the color of skin. And the proof of that is literally what you just said. So I can remember when Black Lives Matter was marching on Toronto and the police were being given SWAT gear. Mm to stop the protests to be there and people they had their riot shields they had their riot gear on they had sorry i guess i shouldn't have said swat gear it was riot gear so they had all their riot gear on for peaceful protests i'm fairly certain riot gear was not an issue with this and we saw you know even when indigenous groups have shown up to do blockades here much like they've done in the united states they get removed immediately they get threatened with arrest there is um, so much that happens right off the bat. Like you said, we are now 13 days in and Ottawa police are just starting to say we are going to start forcibly removing people. And Ottawa, the in. city had to declare a state of emergency in order yes. to start moving things along to be like, this is not fair to our citizens. This is really not fair to the people who live here and who work here who can't go about their daily lives, who have their daily lives threatened. Like this is meets the government needs to intervene at this point on on different levels. The federal government needs to step in the prevent like there needs to be help because yes. the city has been grinded to a halt from a minority that have decided to. And sorry, on that, yeah. this just reminds me of something. So the one thing that peeves me off so much about this is I want to talk about Trudeau for a minute and Trudeau being held hostage essentially by these protesters. So within the first day, we started seeing things coming out about people calling Trudeau a coward for hiding and, oh, he tested positive. Isn't that convenient? And all of these things. There were actual death threats issued against Trudeau by people in this convoy. They were demanding that they were going to march up to his house where his wife his children, and he live. And we all know very much based off what we've seen in anything. When they're people serious. show up at someone's house, they're not just there to knock on the door to and say, chat. we just want to talk about all the things we're unhappy with, especially not when actual death threats are issued. And they're still running around calling him in a coward, posting these pictures and memes of Justin Trudeau with his face hiding under a desk. And it's just like, hold on a second. Our leader is a coward because you threatened his life and threatened his family. And he won't come out and face you so you can harm or murder him. And that makes him a coward. It's wild. It, it, I mean, I, I don't know about you. You don't have to say, but I, I didn't vote for Trudeau. <laughs> I mean, I voted him in the first time. And after that, I have consistently voted against him. And when it comes to this, the Trudeau hate to me is so over the top. Like, I am not a Trudeau fan. I am not. I would <laughs> still be voting against him in the next election. And yet... When I see this stuff, I'm just like, it doesn't resonate. It is so extreme. It's it's yes. so vile. It's so over the top. Yes. And, and that, I mean, I have 
<laughs> so I voted for Trudeau, not because I was voting for Trudeau. I really felt in the beginning of his term, he was doing great. I do really feel he's not doing the greatest job. But in our area, we did not have a lot of great options. And the person who was running for liberal is someone that I know quite well who um, I supported because of who she they is. Are. And, and I knew she would be the best choice for our community. That was why I voted for her. Um, and again, this is another, I'm sure you've talked about it before, but elections between U- U.S. and Canadians are really I was going to go there. We don't vote for our leader. We vote for our local representative, which gets us in this, you know, tug of war of we like our local leader, but not the, pr- the, the party party leader, or we like the party leader, but not the local person. My um, friend who was running um, for the liberals, I don't know if you had heard about all the things that kept happening to Trudeau when he came to smaller areas in Toronto um, or out like in, in Ontario and Toronto. Area. So she was supposed to introduce Trudeau at a rally in our area. They were going to speak. They were going to do, you know, the normal tour thing. It was the liberal event for that. They actually ended up having to be escorted away by security. Um, She had her granddaughter with her, who is the exact same age as Garrus, like literally born on the same day as Garrus. Um, Same age. Her husband had to take her granddaughter and flee because they were worried it was going to get violent because earlier that day, people had actually thrown rocks and things at Trudeau at another rally. And her daughter refused to leave her side, but it was terrifying. Like I had to check in on her and make sure she was okay and safe because all over the news, it was breaking out that these anti-Trudeau protesters had chased him away from an actual political event, an event that these people who were mostly People's Party of Canada supporters got to have their own version of when they were having their campaign events because it was literally a campaign tour. This was her event where Trudeau happened to be stopping by and doing it. And the hate is just, it's unbelievable to see the level of hatred towards Trudeau just for the fact of it being Trudeau. I I saw just a tiny bit on my end. Like when I posted on the full mutuality page, something about the convoy, I put the hashtag. So I attracted obviously the pro convoy people. Um, And like within seconds I was getting, but it was a lot of false information. I clicked on one guy who was, you know, laughing at it and like making a comment. And then I saw on his page, it was talking about deep state and it was going off on like really in really deep holes. And I was like, right, that's what I expected. Um, But I decided quick to put uh, like a freeze on comments on that. And I put an edit note and just wrote, I am not allowing any pro anti anti-vax propaganda stuff. Anything that's in that vein is not going to be like I'm not allowing my page to be a source of misinformation for the convoy people. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. So sorry if I have to silence people, I will. But I'm not letting yeah. that misinformation out. Um, but I I felt threatened. I felt like I, it was the first time where I was like, oh, these people are really like there's there's been doxing that has happened. Um, there was an anti-convoy group on Facebook where the person who started it quickly pulled out and asked someone to take over because they were getting death threats. Like this stuff is like it's ex- the, the extremist element is very strong on the Trudeau yes. haters on in this whole movement. It's um if you say anything where you don't agree with them, you're putting yourself at risk because yeah. they will target you. Exactly. And I mean, and, and the misinformation is the huge, huge thing. Like, so um, the same friend of mine posted against the convoy, as many of us have. And uh, her post got linked into our local anti-vax convoy group, 
who like to proclaim that they're the the new majority here and there's like 83 people in the group in a county of 60,000 people but you know um and so someone came over and started arguing about how the numbers were all wrong and Ottawa police were lying about it because there were 3.9 million people in downtown Ottawa protesting and here's the pictures that show it and RCMP reported it So first off, as you were saying about like earlier with the Canada Day stuff and that, if you were to look at an aerial photo of Canada Day celebrations, it looks like millions of people. And it's really just jam packed everywhere. And it looks like millions. It's not. There's not a lot of space on the hill, even on a day to day basis. If you're trying to drive your car through there, if you're trying to be touristy, there's not a ton of space down there. You could not fit 3.9 million people down there. But so I was like, okay, okay, let's, I'll follow his link. I'll see where he's making the claims that the RCMP have said this report. You know, I'll, I'll do my research and follow up. So I click the link that he posted and the link was just to one of the convoy Facebook groups. There was no post. There was no information. It was just a link to the group. So I went and started researching RCMP numbers on and the for Toronto those who convoy. don't know, RCMP stands for Royal Canadian Mounted Royal Police Canadian, for yes. the Americans. Because we do have like a 75% audience of Americans listening. So, yes. so, so RCMP is our, RCMP. you know, they're the literal Mounties, the ones that you see with the yeah, red yeah, coats the and, the, and the hats. With the, with the funny yes. hats. Yeah, that's so, our Royal Mounted Police. They started as horseback police and now they're not. They're just our Canadian police. Yes. So I could not find numbers anywhere from the RCMP. I looked. I searched every term under the sun I could think of. Nothing comes up. So I do further research. The RCMP hadn't even been to Ottawa yet. They could not get an estimate, even if they wanted to, because they had no feet on the ground in this situation. Which is kind of wild. You know, they should have been on the ball with this. This should be something that they should be prepared for. Yeah, and that's a whole other conversation. But this person had doubled down over and over about how we were spreading misinformation, about how Ottawa police were lying, about how they were trying to make cover-ups, and there was nothing. The numbers that they were saying literally did not exist. The report did not exist. It's uh, it's a little bit fascinating when it comes to trying to argue against these people like I'm this is one of the frustrations that I've had is just how do you what do you do when the majority of scientists say COVID exists and then you have this fringe group that's like no it's not true here's this random doctor that's not even in virology you know that has an opinion that isn't peer-reviewed that isn't you know when you look into it it's not it has no relevance um and it doesn't reflect the majority of people who've studied this their whole lives. How do you get through to somebody who doesn't know how to use critical thinking? How do you start to have a comp? Like, I'm going to quickly go here and then Nate, I'd love it if you touch on it a bit. They're calling the the insurrection right now. There's a term that they're using for it. Something about legitimate discourse. Yeah, the Republican National Committee came out and um, in in the the... At the same time that they basically disowned Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who are the two Republicans who have joined the January 6th um, Inquisition, which is led by Democrats, uh, because um, none of the you know well-known Republicans want to be involved in this because it would be it's basically an inquiry into their own party. Um, but we had two Republicans who joined the inquiry, basically an investigative committee to find out what happened. So the Republican National Committee denounced Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. And at the same time that they denounced them, they I believe it was the same time. They also said that the the, uh, the riots and attempted coup on January 6th was not an insurrection. It was legitimate 
political legitimate political discourse. Oh my god! Yeah, your own Senate party leader, the minority leader in Congress, Mitch McConnell, said that they were wrong. So I don't know. I'm I'm just. I see. I want to get into the U.S. and the insurrection, in just in the sense that there are some very big ties here and some familiarity but just going into calling that legitimate political discourse i wanted to touch quick on that because when you're arguing with people that are just so like they're looking at reality you know you saw that the insurrection people died we all watched what was happening um with the people storming the capitol we saw that takeover we saw what was going on live as it was happening and for that to just be downplayed as this was some sort of legitimate political discourse it feels a bit of the feelings that i get when i'm trying i don't know if you feel this way tabitha when you're trying to argue with people who you know like they're sending you a link to something that doesn't exist and you're like what like how no this isn't you're not even being honest this isn't true like how do you argue with someone where reality doesn't matter um, where what you see is totally changed and you're gaslighted into it being called something that it's not. I've been looking a bit and I wanted to bring this topic up into the psychology of like what this is what I'm thinking. What do you do with people? like this? How do you make sense of it? How do you make sense of having conversations with people who deny the earth is round or that deny that COVID is real or that deny that the vaccines work or that deny that mandates actually statistically help with vaccination rates going up and that it makes a difference. What do you do when you're just trying to look through facts with people and it's nothing is registering? They're doubling down when you bring things up. How do you how do you go through this and how should you think through it? <laughs> These days I honestly don't know and I mean that is literally the question I ask myself every day because as much as we're talking specifically about the convoy and January 6th type thinking and and these extremists, the problem is this kind of thinking and it has seeped into everything. And as a journalist, my job is literally, here's the facts, you know, either if it's something where you can have an opinion on either side, here's the facts, you decide which side is right, or here is the the information that corrects the misinformation. And the problem is, if people aren't listening, if people don't care, how, what value is there even in the job that I'm doing? Because it's putting it out there and anyone who's going to believe and trust the information I put out there already believes and trusts the information that's out there. Anyone who doesn't, they're not going to. Um, I mean, this has always been an, a minor issue in the fact world, I will say. Scientists, I'm sure, have encountered this as well. Like when I worked at a newspaper years ago before I had left the industry for a while, there were still that that small minority of people who, if you would put out an unbiased story, it was automatically biased to them because it did not support their bias. Right. You would put it out and you would go, here's the facts decide and they would go this is biased they're clearly in support of this because i support this and it didn't say this and this is the truth and this is now the standard if you do not support their bias you are biased and you are false reporting and it is fake information and there's and nothing you can do media, to dispel fake that news yeah. Exactly. If it doesn't prove and that kind of ties into that comment I said earlier about the people who keep coming to me going, if you were a journalist, you'd do your research and you would see this. You're like, and the that's thing is, what I've been trained to do. And that's what I do on the regular. Yes, you haven't they, been and you don't. <laughs> the irony is they only trust few sources, which are usually YouTubers or someone they saw on Facebook from eighth grade who was sharing this link to this thing. And it's the sources they've been told to trust. So while they're screaming at us that we're sheep, that we're not doing our research, they have this narrow little box of we're telling you these are the sources you can trust and you can tell other people that these are the sources you can trust. But you did your research because we told you to look here. And it's 
how do you combat that? That's a great point. I actually saw, so I wanted to get into a few studies because I, this is, this thought has been in my, on my mind a lot of what do you do? How do you have conversations? Is it worth it? Are you going to get anywhere? And what you're saying ties into what I've seen, what your point of, you know, if they start off from a place that they've been told your source, if it doesn't confirm them is already biased, like they're, they only want confirmation bias. So the, there's an article that I read from uh, vox.com and what some of the quotes were interesting because they had done some studies um, and it said people listen to people from their group and whom they think they can trust. Um, There was a book by a psychologist. Anyway, the article, maybe I'll throw it into the the show notes and people can go look it up. Basically, there was a book done with social psychologists that infiltrated a doomsday cult to find out how the members would react when their doomsday date came and went, and it didn't actually happen. And basically, like, they just invented a new narrative. Like, it didn't make it fall apart. You know, the fact that the, the facts were proven wrong didn't matter at all. Um, And they were comparing this sort of a bit to the pro or anti-vaccine becoming essentially to many people an identity group um, Mm -hmm. during the pandemic. And that theory holds even with the American right, the concept that loyalty and betrayal are more influential. And they found that this was actually more true on the right wing side than the American left, that this concept held that the loyalty and betrayal of your in-group was super important. So the whole I belong to this group. Um, staying true to your group is power is a powerful pull for conservatives. So that theory again, American right. But um, for these folks, facts means nothing. Membership and identity mean everything. Bernstein said. Um, Republican vaccines have also been able to lean on messaging from their political movements leaders. Basically, like just the idea that you stick to the identity and the self-interest of your group and that trumps everything else. That becomes like who you're, which side you're on and your in-group. And I've been thinking this over too because I've noticed, I mean, you and I both come from evangelical backgrounds. Our podcast Mm -hmm. digs a lot into this. But the bulk majority of people I know who support the convoy are unfortunately, and same with the anti-vaxxers, majority evangelicals that I know personally. Um, And I, you know, I have a lot of non-evangelical friends, but whenever it comes to these sort of unscientific, unfactual stuff, um, this ends up becoming a common thread that I see happening over and over. And I'm wondering if how much of this is because we have been taught when we grew up in this, we were taught to sort of you are against the world. It's mm-hmm. you versus the world. The world, the government's going to be. I mean, we were we, if you're evangelical, you were taught that there was going to be a one world government that was going to come for you like you were literally indoctrinated about the end times. And it's fascinating when you get in. Like I could go off on a whole tirade about this. I'll give a quick side note. The Left Behind books were like, which were like the crux of this whole rapture, revelation, end times movement, which were just fictional novels written off the book of Revelations, which is a very complicated book. And the novels about it that kind of based themselves off of it are just fiction. But the guy who wrote it, actually Tim LaHaye, who's the guy behind those books that were super popular and and fueled so much of that evangelical end times movement, he actually protested a memorial for Martin Luther King Jr. back in the day. Like he actually protested the university that, well, I forget what which one it was. I believe it was Wheaton yes, College. Yes, you're right. That was um, who it was. It was Wheaton. And he protested and that. He wrote them a letter were... because they wanted to do a memorial for Martin Luther King after he That's was assassinated. Wild. But it's like the white supremacy yeah. in evangelical culture is very big. The extreme alt-right stuff that we see is very tied in. It's why I'll see F. Trudeau and then I'll see pray to Jesus and God to save our nation tied mm-hmm. in like right there together. A lot of the stuff we've been taught about the outgroup and about how the government's going to get us. And we're, I've sort of just noticed you need to stick to your own because you don't have a sense of belonging in your world. In your Mm -hmm. own community, in anyone outside of your evangelical group, you have been trained and taught to see them as your enemy, as 
people that unless you bring to god they're being brainwashed by the devil essentially that is part of the makeup of the discussion and the conversation that goes on they're going to be influenced by the enemy they're going to take the mark of the beast one day so again the evangelical mythology of the end times basically you are going to be forced to get the mark of the beast and you won't be allowed to buy or sell anything without this mark they'll take it off of some random passage in revelations and you know there's a lot to know in terms of the background of that book being written in code and being based on the time that it was written on as well (laughs) so they they take this they try and apply it to the future and and they've come up with some interesting theories on it but there's just this fear of the government there's this fear of any globalization um you know that a lot of evangelicals they'll be climate change Mm -hmm. deniers because they're so afraid of like a global movement of unity and climate change is an area that affects the whole globe so that's where you see a lot of that come together but there's this paranoia and i think too when you look at political history of how people have voted and stuff too that whole identity chapter of it is evident the whole way through. Because I can remember growing up, I was a conservative voter. I voted conservative up until my early 20s when I started to understand more nuances and things. But if you talk to conservative voters, they will only vote conservative. It does not matter if they can come out and say, I disagree with every single thing that this person running stands for. I am a conservative and I vote conservative no matter what. And if you flip to the other side, liberals, like you said, you know, there's less liberals or less, I should say less leftists because not everyone on the left is a liberal, but less leftists who do that whole identity group thing in the same way, because we're all more willing to look at the issues instead of the group. You'll find more leftists who will be like, yeah, I voted green. I voted NDP. I voted liberal. I voted for this random off party. Because I mean, since I've been liberal, I voted for two different parties that are not conservative. And in Canada, yeah. that's very common. That's, yeah, that's a I've, common thing. You're not you're not grouped into one group. You you look at what they're you know presenting, what their platform is, and you evaluate yeah. it for what it is. It's not like I belong to this group. And I have I've even voted conservative since I stopped being a conservative because at the time the rep for our area was someone who I felt would do the most good and had their finger on the right pulse of what our specific community needed. And so I felt that that person should be in charge because they were the ones who could help our community worse. So, I mean, when you talk to people on the left, they're like, yeah, we're, we look at the issues. We look at the things that matter. When you talk to people on the right, even for years, that identity issue was already a problem before we even hit this massive polarization where now that identity issue is getting stronger and stronger and stronger where they have to stand for something just because that, group stands for something yeah and that's what I've been trying to piece together in my head and make sense of knowing that I come out of that as well used to be conservative as well and grew up evangelical is when you're taught and trained and and white evangelicals in the states 81 percent I bring this up all the time and I will keep bringing it up 81 percent of them voted for Trump they have the same issues in the U.S. and American evangelicalism essentially and I've said this before too Canadian evangelicalism same thing they've imported their stuff up here and it's here and that's why there's a lot of ties Trump is supporting this convoy for for reasons that his base and his group these these two groups have a tie together he's come out with a statement Trump in support of this convoy Um, Of course, yes. Yeah. But going back to the whole in-group, out-group thing and how people will listen to their in-group even more on the right side, that becomes their identity. I know in the U.S., abortion is the talking point and it's like that is the one issue that's like just driving like a whole bunch of evangelical christians it's like we can't vote for the abortion party and like it doesn't matter what else it doesn't even matter if the policies make a difference in this area it's just 
this one carrot that's dangled in order to keep people voting for them. And it's that identity that becomes that fuels everything. I have to be Republican. I can't be a Christian and not be Republican. And so they vote. This is the largest, most powerful voting block for like for Trump has been the white evangelicals because that's how they think. But I, I look back to what I was raised in in that mentality and I realized I was taught to see everyone else as outsiders. So it was so important to stick to my group. It was so important to stay within it because that was the place of safety where I was told these are the true people who have the truth, the true, the Holy Spirit living in them. So you need to stick with these people. And I, and yes. I realized that getting outside of that has shifted my perspective when you see everyone around you actually, you know, as human as you are, as in, in as embodied with God as you are, when you look at other humans that way and it's not like you're isolated from the rest of the world and you have to feel threatened by them, then your identity coming from your own group doesn't matter that same way. It kind of yeah. frees you up to look around. And I think that might be a difference between your extremist right and why the left doesn't have that same sort of a bend. Like, I think that's probably in the States. It, it's a in Canada, we at least have two left parties in the States. It's pretty detrimental to the left wing party that they don't like there is so much division of thought in how spread out the left wings are between progressives and not. And they yeah. don't really have choices on who, there, who I to mean, vote the, for. It's like I there there tends to be more. um I guess, you know, diversity um, within the Democratic Party, which is frustrating because um, it often works so hard as a party against um, its own goals because there are so many, there's a plurality of um, of personalities and ideologies within it. But um, that's American politics. And today we're talking about I know, Canadian but politics, I did want so. to draw some connections <laughs> in before we go off into the connections between the U.S. interference in the Canadian situation that's happening. So if you've seen a lot of American Canadian flags united in pictures <laughs> related to the convoy, there's a big American influence of the right wing extremists that have infiltrated this it's weird to have trump comment on a fringe movement in canada and say that he supports it like as a canadian that makes me feel very uncomfortable and like you said tabitha a lot of i mean the same people that i know who support trump are the ones supporting the convoy so that didn't come as a big surprise to see trump back that the gofundme i wanted to get into that <laughs> so the gofundme was started by tamara lynch right the and one BGA of the Right. Or Dykter, or I don't know how it's pronounced. They raised for this convoy, how many million? What was the last count? $10 million. Second largest GoFundMe in Canada ever made was for the convoy. So where is this money coming from? If this is like, we have 37 million Canadians, and this doesn't represent probably not even a million of us. I mean, it's so fringe. Uh, like I said, 85% of us are vaccinated and yeah. and. Trudeau got voted in by a majority. I think this time around, was it majority or was it a minority? I'm not sure if he got a minority. Uh, minority this time. Um, but I think, too, it's important to note with that money raised, if I remember correctly, and the page is gone now because GoFundMe has removed it, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. But not only were most of the donors anonymous, most of the donation amounts were over $1,000 each. Now the average GoFundMe, if I remember correctly, was something like the average anonymous donor amount to a normal GoFundMe is usually about $100 per person would be like your and that would be your big one that wouldn't be like, you know, your normal one with a small person, but the average amount is $100. And these were all $1,000 donations. Now, I don't know about the truckers that you know, Gail, or any they don't that you might got know, $1,000 sitting in their back pocket ready to donate to a cause no, like this. And most of the families I know who are families of truckers do not have $1,000 lying around to just be able to make a $1,000 donation. And to do it anonymously as well, because if if everyone is so gung ho for supporting this, 
why are they so afraid about putting their name to the fact that they're right. when they're already putting their name to it elsewhere? Um, and the large amounts certainly were not coming from truckers because truck drivers do not make an egregious amount of money. This is why they work so often and why so many of them are on the road for so much, because it takes a lot to make ends meet for their families. Right. And it's usually the best way to be able to keep a house over their family's heads. So right off the bat, there was something funny going on. Someone else is funding this beyond just the supporters. There's some very rich donors that are, in my opinion, likely coming from outside of Canada. I'm yes. going to bank that there is a lot of wealthy U.S. Um, power players on the right that actually are having a say in this. There was a tweet I saw from a Republican senator. I want to say it was someone or a Republican leader from Texas. Just oh, when I was getting together Texas my Attorney notes. Attorney General Ken Paxton. Right. Mm -hmm. And he tweeted was talking over the weekend that their states will investigate the GoFundMe after the fundraiser platform said it was freezing more than 8 million in donations to the convoy organized. That's before it hit the 10 mil mark because it's gone up. It went up before it totally uh, GoFundMe pulled the plug. But yeah, that was Ron DeSantis was the government of Florida that also said that they would look into it. Yeah. Right. And there was another one that I had seen and I, I thought I had copied the link. I can't find it where, and I believe it was, again, maybe the same Senate person from Texas was saying that they will make sure that they can take the money that was refunded to get it directly to the truckers since GoFundMe is illegally preventing the money from getting to the truckers. I mean, and that's quite something. And to have Canada's public safety minister, Marco Mendicino, he said, we're Canadians. We have our own set of laws. We're going to follow them. It is certainly not the concern of the Texas Attorney General as to how we in Canada go about our daily lives in accordance with the rule of law. We need to be vigilant about political foreign interference. Whatever statements may have been made by some foreign officials are neither here nor there, is what he said in during his briefing about it, which is concerning. It's concerning when you have your public safety minister in Canada referencing American political figures who have nothing to do with this that are jumping in. Yeah. Uh, to a Canadian campaign, to a Canadian protest that's a fringe alt-right movement, and all of a sudden, mm. they're going to look into it for us. It's um, That's kind of disturbing. Well, and even the redistribution of funds. Why is an attorney general in Texas, or wherever the person was that I saw that tweet, concerned about getting funds to Canadian truckers? Unless they have direct financial ties. And why do they have financial ties to this? Because if this is just going out to the truckers, and, and I mean, and that ties back into the whole reason why this account was frozen and investigated in the first place, was that they could not prove that the funds were going to be distributed the way the GoFundMe was saying they were going to be distributed. And I mean, I've seen comments from people who were saying that they never got any money for their fuel costs, for their food costs. And we know they didn't because they were demanding yeah. free food from homeless shelters and harassing homeless shelters downtown Ottawa on the day that they arrived. Yeah. So and now Who's we've got this to money going to be going to is right. a very good question. And GoFundMe didn't see that spelled out in a way that made them feel comfortable allowing those to just be given given over. Um, there's an interesting quote uh, by President Barack Obama's previous um, his ambassador. Um, he said he, he had this quote. Uh, his name is Bruce Heyman. Um, he's not the current ambassador, but he was under Barack Obama. He said Canada-U.S. relations used to be mainly about solving technical issues, he tweeted. Today, Canada is unfortunately experiencing radical U.S. politicians involving themselves in Canadian domestic issues. Trump and his followers are a threat not just to the U.S., but to all democracies. Uh, under no circumstance should any group in the U.S. say fund disruptive activities in Canada, period, 
full stop. <laughs> I just thought that was a good quote to read because it's disturbing. As a Canadian, That that's pretty unsettling. Yes. And what you were saying too there about the freedoms and about what this is, because they're, they're, they keep saying this is about our freedoms. So first off, anyone who's hearing this and has been hearing about the trucker convoy fighting for our freedoms, we have not lost our freedoms. There are no freedoms lost. The fact that we can have a convoy with 18,000 people go in Ottawa and hold the city hostage for 13 days proves we have no freedom issues here. Especially if you're white. Yes. Caveat, especially if you're white, because I don't think any Black Lives Matter protests could have pulled off 12 days no. holding Ottawa siege or an indigenous protest would they have never have. been able to do that. No. But the important thing to realize is they keep calling out and saying that what's happening is against our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. It is actually not. The Charter of Rights and Freedoms says straight in it that people have the right to free choice and to do basically live for themselves, except in a case when public health becomes a priority and public safety measures need to be in place to protect the greater population. And I wish I had that part in front of me. I've been trying to Google it. I can't find it. My Google skills suck after my child has gone to bed. <laughs> um, but that is a portion of it. And as far as the human rights stuff go too, because people keep saying, oh, well, you're violating the Ontario human rights. They're going to come after you. The thing is the Ontario rights, Ontario Human Rights Commission actually released a statement in September 2021 about these vaccine mandates. So back when they were first being put in place by municipalities, by businesses, and this is exactly what they said about this. So this does not go against the Human Rights Commission. While receiving a COVID-19 vaccine remains voluntary, the OHRC takes the position that mandating and requiring proof of vaccination to protect people at work or when receiving services is generally permissible under the Human Rights Code, as long as protections are put in place to make sure people who are unable to be vaccinated for code-related reasons are reasonably accommodated. This applies to all organizations. Our there freedoms, our human rights are not being violated by things being put into place to protect the greater public. Tabby just read it for you. <laughs> <laughs> you have your freedoms, Canada. You're still free. You're free to protest peacefully, but holding hostage Ottawa and putting them under siege, I really hope that comes to an end soon because yes. Canada doesn't need that. The ambassador bridge being blocked off needs to stop. Um, that's really, that is causing... Um, supply chain issues and it's being caused by the convoy right now and that's problematic and it's very hypocritical that needs to come to an end this is not any like trying to force your way onto everyone else is it's not this is not the canadian way and no. it's really sad that such a fringe minority right now are trying to see how far they can push this and i think canadians are tired and we're, we're sort of hoping that this just goes away i think because i don't notice you know a lot of the people i know who don't aren't on board with this are just quiet they're just like almost yeah. like i have no energy please go away what do we have to do to just, you know, if we ignore them, will they go away? Will they get their moment of pe protesting out of their system? And and I feel like we're going to have a moment of reckoning where we have to realize we have to do something about moving them out and, and dealing with and fining. I mean, that's what they're doing in Ottawa is having to give fines for things because they're not going to just walk away. Their mentality yeah. is like, we will be here forever until we get our way. We will stand the line. We're like, it's like they believe they're all in Braveheart or something like that. You know? They <laughs> like believe they're all in Braveheart and they believe there's more of them than they are. They really, truly believe they are the majority of Canadians right now. And Canadians are so peaceful as a people that we haven't really done much to 
eliminate this sort of behavior and to deal with the people who are causing this disruptions. And so it's happening in more and more places. I know in Alberta, too, they blocked a border right under Lethbridge on one of their and the RCMP actually did come and move them out. Um, that eventually happened. That was in this past week or the week before. So but they're, they're just finding new borders to block and new places to disrupt. So I'm sort of wondering how this is going to resolve itself in Canada. And I'm kind of amazed that it's gone on this long. Those are my <sighs> those are my thoughts. Anyone else have any? <laughs> any? I had so many thoughts today. It was just full of them. Although, okay, one last one. I did <laughs> I, I I did notice too when I was looking through articles on the psychology of people who are anti-vax or who are um, anti-mandate. There was a few really important things I didn't realize that I think might be helpful. One was that the studies showed that people um, have often had very severe childhood trauma issues are linked with a high num- number of anti-vaxxers. And there are also other studies that have shown, and I'll drop all the different psycholo- psychological studies that have been done into the show notes. There's a few really good articles online that, that can help you get an understanding of this group of people. The other one is they tend to overestimate the likelihood of car accidents or of any sort of tragic deaths or events overall. So like the idea of a vaccine reaction would be like in their mind, way overblown in their mind, um, which is interesting because their fear of a COVID sickness is not as as up there for some reason. But like they tend to overestimate a lot of like it's way more dangerous to get in your car than it is to get a vaccine, you know, and just go for a drive anywhere. Your likelihood of death is way, way higher. But there's yeah. an uh, there's like an just not a, an ability to gauge the likelihood of something happening. And there's an overestimation of something bad happening. So there's that in that community. And there's a lot of trauma response from childhood trauma that seems to be a part of people who end up joining this, which it sort of rings true with what I've seen. I, I, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't have the background, but the studies were quite interesting to read through and are maybe helpful when you feel like you're you're presenting facts and nothing is getting through. And what's mm-hmm. going on is it could be something deeper going on than this being about information. This could be something a lot more embedded. Um, we didn't touch on this because I, we talked more about white people, um, but I know that there's logical reasons for the black community and the indigenous community to be skeptical of vaccines and the government overall. They have had a long history of being treated really horribly. So that makes a lot of sense to me. White people, it's a whole other other can of worms entirely where this is coming out of. So, but it's good to understand what what might be fueling it so you don't waste your time sometimes beating your head against the wall, going nowhere and not getting why. I, I will say on that, there is there's an interesting irony in that. Because if you look at the anti-vaxxers, COVID deniers, they will, that that fear of the things that happen with the vaccine, they will a- attribute every single death that happens around a time frame of a vaccine as being caused by the vaccine. I've seen so many people now who are like, well, my aunt Sally's friend, Alfred, took the vaccine and two days later he died. This kid took it and three days later he died. Now, most of the time you look at it, like when we had a, unfortunately, there was a death of a 16-year-old boy in a community um, near here back in the spring and the anti-vaxxers took that and ran he just got vaccinated and days later he dropped dead for no reason well in doing research he had been vaccinated for over a month both shot there, there was no few days and it was likely something else happened which it seems to be a heart attack that is not as uncommon in youth as anti-vaxxers would like you to think they are so these these kids that have been having heart attacks There are, it is rare in the sense that it's not a large number of kids, but there are quite a few cases of kids who have had undetectable heart issues where randomly they've had a heart attack, where there's been nothing that they can trace to whether or not there was an official 
thing. So they're latching onto this as this is the vaccine thing. But then you flip it to the other side. People who die of COVID are, according to them, actually not dying of COVID. They're dying of other issues. So there's this really weird disconnect of they're not afraid of dying of COVID because you can't die of COVID. You die of other things, but you can die of the vaccine. And regardless of whether there were other issues there. So it's it's interesting how that psychology seems to like play into these weird ironies right. and, and factors. That's like the I'm not I'm not I, we don't want to live in fear. But you realize you're afraid of the, all the governments. You're afraid of the scientists. You're afraid of the vax. Like when you go through all the all the fears that are actually behind it, you're like, actually, I think that's projection when you're talking about not living in fear. I think there's a lot right. of fears you have um, that you don't want to have to deal with. But I mean, that's the same thing with these are all the same people who call anyone who's on the left wing snowflakes. But who's the ones pitching a fit, camping out for 13 days down in Ottawa and screaming and yelling and crying about their freedoms being moved? Because they have to wear a mask. <laughs> Literally over a mask. So we're the snowflakes who are calmly, rationally discussing things while you're and over emotional while you're screaming and yelling and crying and so devastated that your life is ruined because oh my god a piece of cloth on your face especially when we live in canada where six months out of the year most of us have some kind of piece of cloth on our face because we live where the air hurts our face that's right we must cover up that face or it's gonna get frostbite <laughs> <laughs> so we can go play hockey with our n95 masks <laughs> And that's the thing, the kids, they keep crying about the kids wearing masks. Have you not seen a toddler when they get sent outside to play in Canada in the winter? There's oh, like yeah. this much of their eyes showing. And I know people can't see, but I'm literally like pinching over my showing. eyes because showing they have slit where the kids can see out of. <laughs> right. Because they have three hats, a hood, two scarves, a shirt that pulls up on top and a coat that zips up over their face, which I'm pretty sure is several layers thicker child abuse three layer child mask. abuse <laughs> these people are with their kids wearing masks in schools are being child <laughs> abuse it's it's kind of wild uh, yeah <sighs> i don't even know how to wrap up this show i just know that i wanted to talk about this because I, it, it has made me feel anxious and yes i you know nate and i live in two different countries i get to travel to the u.s all the time um i always feel safe coming back up to canada i always feel you know, even when we were in the height of it inconveniencing us, the two of us, even when, you know, we couldn't see each other, or we had to quarantine. I didn't disagree with the government. There may have been some weird rules that I found dumb and I'm OK with criticizing government rules. But overall, I was I was appreciative that there was safety measures. I think the dumbest rule actually was probably on the American side that you could fly into the U.S., but you couldn't drive in. I was like, how does that make any sense? I'm going to catch COVID more likely on an airplane than sitting in my own car. If I remember having a conversation with the border guy when I was let back in finally in November and he was like, you know, when was the last time you were in this? I was like, oh, I flew in last time. And he's like, yeah, that didn't make sense. Eh? Like we had like a whole conversation about it together, but how he didn't understand how that role was going down and making any sense. So it's not to say that we support everything and you can't critique the government. But overall, I appreciated that Canada was taking it seriously. And every time I would come down in the States and I'm in I'm visiting the liberal parts of the States where they do not everybody's a you know covid denier or is republican and you know hasn't will chase you out for wearing a mask you know i'd walk in a store with a mask and there'd be half the people wearing a mask so it wasn't like i'd be harassed for it but there's still half the people not wearing a mask and as a canadian that is not something that i'm used to uh throughout the pandemic we have at least in quebec have held on to our mask mandates the whole way through 
I know that's true of other provinces, a lot of other provinces, maybe not out west where Wexit is happening. Uh, <laughs> they're a little bit of an anomaly in Canada, but I have felt safe in Canada and I have appreciated that um, coming back here and feeling like, you know, here's a place where public safety, where our healthcare system is public. So we don't make money off of hospitalizing people where people no. don't go bankrupt because they get sick. This is not a Canadian way. We look after the general public. You know, we, we look after each other. We care about our hospitals reaching capacity. It's not a big business. It is government run and we all pay into it as taxpayers and it's different. So I guess seeing that fringe American element infiltrating into Canada um, is disturbing. It's very disturbing. Seeing, yeah, seeing a lot more of that. I, I'm happy that Canada operates the way it does. I didn't vote for Trudeau, but I appreciate health and safety measures from all the provincial governments. He's not yeah. the one that puts them into place. Good for Canadians to know that when they're yes. yelling at Trudeau. But I appreciate that overall. You know, this country runs very differently. Um, and we hadn't politicized the vaccination thing the way Trump did in Canada. I mean, I feel like all of the all of the federal governments were all on the same page up till recently when actually they just dethroned their conservative leader recently over, you know, him picking the wrong side. And I think they're actually the conservatives are leaning more now towards the convoy, whereas before they weren't. And yes. I think that's how he got outed uh, the leader of the conservatives on our side. So. Yeah. It's a disturbing to see it moving in that direction. I feel like the conservatives are going to become more extreme. Uh -huh. It is. my. I, I would say my anxiety um, has been much higher too, largely because, you know, the, the groups here that are supporting it, that are speaking out, are the same ones that we've been having issues with for years. Um, and they're getting more and more volatile. And we've had, you know, we, we've had situations that are getting bordering onto violence, um, especially for parents of children. We have a lot of the people who are screaming that masks are child abuse. I know we joked about that earlier, but this is things that people are actually saying. Um, we've had instances of running into these anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, who will literally start screaming at parents who have their children with them masked. And my anxiety comes in in that, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, I have low spoons. <laughs> this pandemic has been brutal for everyone. It's been brutal for me because there's no stepping away. My career ha is having to be informed. I don't get to turn off. I don't get to step away from the news and take that break. And I don't know that if someone came at me over my son now, I could stop myself from reacting, stop myself from you know, throwing that punch at them, from doing anything possible to protect my child. Um, and it has sent my anxiety through the roof because how how when you have no spoons to deal with something and you've got such extremists taking charge of things, do you protect yourself and your family and still hold it all together? That's where my big thing has come in through all this. I can't imagine. Like I, I feel for you as a parent of a little one and having to worry about protecting your son and having to worry about going out in anywhere like public and having to deal with people in the community with this kind of attitude. I, I'm not sure what the solutions are. I'm sitting here going, what do we do? Do we need more healthcare professionals helping these individuals who feel isolated, who, you know, are making this into a thing, who are who are finding their group identity so embedded in this that they don't know how to take a step back and are becoming so irate and so volatile with everyone else around them who doesn't share their opinion? Um, I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't, but I, I do know that something has to change. Mm -hmm. Something's got to be done. American, do you have any suggestions on uh, on any of this? <laughs> You've been quietly so quiet. sitting and listening to us. 
into our Canadian conversation. Vote, vote against Trump. That's that's my uh, that's my advice. Yes, we Canadians will vote against Trump in our next election. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to try and come yeah. take over Canada. At this rate, I would not be surprised. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll try to run for office. Yeah, he might there. get some seats if he votes. If he, he lines himself with some extremist party that's you know not a major party, I'm mm. sure he'd be welcomed very happily and enthusiastically as Canada's champion yep. by that group. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm sure. <sighs> well, good luck with everything. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want to move here, babe? Where are we going to live? Which country is more exciting? We have yet to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um. Thank you so much, uh, Tabitha, for coming, for joining us. For Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Mom of a little one. She has to yes. wait till she's tucked her little one into bed and done her whole parenting routine to sneak online with us and record a podcast episode. So we value it. We appreciate it. Appreciate your work as a journalist. I know it's hard times to be in the mainstream media when that word is now becoming a pejorative word. Am I using the right word? Pejorative, yeah. Yeah, when it's becoming used as a dirty word, basically, to say that you're mainstream media. But I appreciate those who actually do do the research and who do take the time to fact check and who will present, you know, even stuff that takes the convoy people off the hook, but will be turned around as making them angry because it doesn't support every point they make. But I appreciate that you're doing that and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you on behalf of myself as a Canadian who appreciates uh, <laughs> the journalists in this country. Thank um, you. I think they're an important part of every free democracy is to actually value your your independent media, um, your journalists. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for, for joining us in this conversation. I needed a fellow Canadian tonight to rant away with me. And at first I was like, oh, Tabitha, I bet you wouldn't want to talk about this topic. I joked with you. I joked with bringing you on <laughs> with this did. topic. And I was like, I'm sure I'm sure that was a bad joke. And you're like, actually. And I'm like, really? <laughs> really, though? You wouldn't mind coming to rant about this with me? Because I Nate has just watched me climbing up the wall, stressed about this. And uh yeah, I hope there's some sort of resolution coming up in Canada. Who knows? Who knows where things will be? If you're in the States listening, you can, I don't know, check out the mainstream media to see what's going on in Canada because it seems like a very interesting turn in our uh, political discourse to be watching for. Very much so. I wonder what Tucker Carlson's going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nate. I'm sure Joe Rogan probably has some words too. Maybe he'll get some of the Canadian no exit party members. Well, on. he's got he's got his own <laughs> he's got his own shit to deal with. Yeah. He he's got the fact that he's got videos all over the place of him using the N word. Oh man. Another topic for another day anyway. on white people. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Oh man. Alrighty. Well, this has been fun. Thanks yeah, again. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app. If you don't have any apps, you can find a list of all the ones we're available on at our website, fullmutuality.com. Speaking of our website, there you'll find all of our previous episodes, links to our social media pages, and so much more. And feel free to drop us a message while you're there. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Full Mutuality Podcast.